0: Welcome to Season 2 of The Summit Podcast with your co-hosts, Andrew March and Jeremy Turman. We invite successful people, including business executives, pro athletes, investors, and entrepreneurs to discuss how they define success and what keeps them driving each and every day. All we ask is that you rate and review the show if you found any value in the episode you're about to listen to. Once again, thanks for taking a listen and on with the show. Today's episode, we want to thank our sponsor Fitzby, an athleisure company designed to re-inspire and facilitate your on-the-go lifestyle. Check out Fitsby at FITSPI.com, that's FITSPI.com, and use code THESUMMIT30 for 30% off.
1: Welcome to the Summit Podcast. We're super excited to have uh, Matt Benson with us today. Matt is the founder and CEO of eFuse, um, and the LinkedIn platform for gamers, as well as a tournament uh, platform for any type of business, and is a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur by trade, um, has spent many times at, at different entrepreneurial institutions and built companies himself. So really excited to have Matt on the show. So welcome. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. Well, let's kick it off with how do you define success?
2: It's a great question. And I, uh, I think for me, it's a, it's a triad. So one, on one side of the coin, it's how do I have as much utility to the world as possible? And for me, it's always been I felt like I've got unique skill sets. I think everybody has unique skill sets. And how can I take those and, and provide as much utility to the world as possible? The second is, is ultimately happiness for me. So how can I just give enough to where I, I consistently feel happy? And then the third thing is, is rising the people up around me. Uh, I, I find a lot of of pride and as I grow and as other people around me grow, being able to kind of lock arms and, and grow together. I think that there's a unique uh, community that's built from that and, and a lot of exciting stuff too. So it's kind of that triad of, of those three things.
0: So that's a really fascinating concept and definition of success. Um, you know, the Definitely for the first for this show. So, you know, diving into that a little bit, you know, how did that triad ultimately form? You know, what were some of those core influences that, you know, because some people focus on like monetary definitions or purely focusing on happiness or career, like in these very narrow definitions, but it sounds like you're coming at it from different angles. Like how did that take shape over time?
2: Yeah, I think the the two around kind of utility and community really come from my parents. My parents were, they did a lot of different things growing up and, and they had four boys. So it was constantly going to different sports games, but they always found time to bust their butt at, at in their careers, but beyond that, get involved in other things uh, in the community. So whether it be on the school board, whether it be city council, whether it be volunteering at the hospital, I just saw them give so much of themselves. And for me, uh, I saw them to also do it with a, a group of friends. So as much time as they were pouring in they were still really really happy and I could see the impact they're having in the community And of course I was a little biased because they're my parents and I, and I look up to them but it was really cool to to see that and then for me I also for a while um, kind of as I would say in the back half of high school early part of college was obsessed with money never really had a ton of money right so I was I was just fascinated by the idea of it it's something that does drive me but for a while it, it kind of consumed me and I'm really proud Proud that over the course of kind of the collegiate career and, and getting a little bit of money and, and having, I mean, working and being around uh, people of wealth, I was able to see that really that at the end of the day uh, is not the the driving force and the thing that ultimately makes people happy. It's it's doing the right things, uh, it's busting your butt, it's it's having fun while doing it. And that's ultimately what's what's kind of um, brought me happiness over the course of the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, money definitely enables um, opportunity, uh, but it's not the the end all be all. When you talk about utility, though, Matt. So, are you saying that like you want to, you know, enable the communities by like your actions and your thoughts and able to help influence others? Or, you know, talk to me a little bit about how like you're defining utility and like to Andrew's earlier question of like, when did you realize that you're like, okay, I have this certain skill set? That means I need to now go execute against that skill set.
2: Yeah. I think, um, it's, it's probably twofold. One is, uh, as far as, as how it came about, is I have never really had a fear of failing. It's always just been like learning by the fire. So And I think that's how I learned best too. So that, that, that lack of fear of failure, for better or for worse, is something that I think has allowed me to take risks and, and try to impact as many people as possible. But I also think I've had um, some unique skills, particularly around building relationships with people of, of different backgrounds, um, of diverse backgrounds. And beyond that, uh, just being able to build genuine, authentic relationships, and I think those two things over the course of, of uh, the younger part of my life uh, allowed me to see that I could really have a lot of impact because I'm not I'm not afraid to fail, and I, I can build a relationship with a lot of different types of people. I the way I measure utility with kind of those two realizations is is how can I empower the community around me to be the best it can be and give as much effort and as much of the knowledge that I've, I've kind of created over the last couple of years um, towards that to ultimately empower them
0: yeah ab- absolutely um, you know as being the CEO of, of epheus and knowing how to you know run a business grow a business start a business raise raise funds um, you know when it comes to the elevation of people around you you know how did you develop that skill set you know that is something that you may, you, you may be elevated you know, as you're growing and getting older by people that care about you. But, you know, what was it within you that really recognized that that is a core piece to not only being, um, you know, helping other people be successful themselves, but then how that actually has a cascading effect on you as well.
2: Yeah, I think naturally, because I had the ability to build relationships, one thing I'm, I'm really proud of within our business is if you look at the our investors, it's a very diverse group. We've got professional athletes, athletes, um, we've got uh, venture capitalists, obviously, we've got serial entrepreneurs, we have family and friends. And, and if you look across the spectrum, they're very diverse from a socioeconomic status, a racial status. I mean, you, you name it, they're a very diverse group of people. But all of those people, I think, would, would say that I have a very authentic, genuine relationship with them. And um, I think that, that that skill has basically allowed us to do that. But I've also looked at it as I always want to surround myself with elite people on, on different fronts. It's not just about um, it's not just about business and, and finding individuals that excel at business, but it's also finding individuals that excel in giving back to the community. It's also about family people and trying to build these, these almost mentor networks around me. And in many ways, that's kind of led to um, and these, these people being investors and, and really just friends of, of mine.
1: Yeah, and I sense? think... Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a firm believer that you are the 10th person of the nine other people you surround yourself with. So, you know, take personal, take professional, like who are those people that you spend the most time with? And then what they do on a day-to-day professionally, personally, their values, like that then becomes your values because you are them by association. Um, So, you know, putting surrounding yourself with elite people, but also surrounding yourself with people that do kind of balance out the whole um, personal professional balance is is so important. You know, I, I love the no fear of failing. I think a lot of entrepreneurs that we talk to, that's like one of the core things. I think one of our episodes was like taking a leap of faith, like trusting yourself to like take that step. When was like the first time you truly tested that? And then you're like, okay, like the, I could say, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm risky. I take risks. Like, I, I'm not afraid to fail until you like try something. When was that like first time when you tested the fear of failing? And then, and then I assume from that outcome that then has like doubled down on your thought process of like, I can do this.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think there were probably microcos- microcosms of it in my earlier life. But I, when I was in middle school, actually, um, is when I first started my first business. My basically my parents essentially gave me an ultimatum of, hey, you go get a, a nine to five job working at, at one of the fast food restaurants or, or you figure out how to make some money because we're not going to keep giving you this allowance. So um, in short, I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot and at, at try to, to make some money on my own. So I started. A a film company actually with my cousin who had just graduated film school in New York and, and we set forth to go across Ohio at the time and and record these dance recitals and then we would edit the dance recitals burn DVDs and then sell them back to the parents for like 40 50 bucks. And we'd make a couple grand uh, every month and it was like oh my I never had that much cash in my life I'm like oh my gosh this is the best thing ever. but it was from that, I think that I was like, oh man, I can, I can do this. I mean, that was, I've, I've never done anything with film. I've never considered myself a super creative person, especially on that front. And um, to see that kind of come to fruition, I was like, okay, we can, we can take if nothing to something at bare minimum. And then the question was, okay, how do I take something and, and turn it into, go to that, that one to 10 stage? Um, so I think that that's where it led me to my second business, which I, we might get into here in a little bit with SnappyCast, uh, where it was the first kind of software play and uh, yeah, it's just kind of cascaded all the way down to, to really doubling down on the e
0: I mean, that is, that is an amazing story. We might touch on this a little bit later, but those moments of realization where it's like you go from nothing to something and how that like triggers this change in your brain where it's like you actually see the outcome. But I wanted to go back to another piece that's been consistent in, in our conversation, which has been just work ethic. You know, you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, your parents busting their butt, giving so much back to the community, the family, you know, and I would imagine that that's been just like deeply rooted within yourself, but it's, you know, how have you seen work ethic in your life produce these results? And like, what is your perspective on work ethic, broadly speaking?
2: Yeah, it's one of those things that in everything that I've done, my parents instilled that if you may not be the best player, but you should be the hardest worker. So even on the basketball team or the soccer team, I wasn't the guy that was scoring 30 points a game. I was the guy that was getting the rebounds, taking the charges, diving on the, the, the floor for the ball. And, and I think what I when I'm looking back at my childhood, what I'm, I'm really grateful for is my parents celebrated those moments uh, rather than there would be games where I would score more points than I probably should have. And, and it, it looked like I was the star of the team, but in reality – they, they celebrated those moments, and, and that really instilled in me that at the end of the day, uh, work ethic is the most important, and that just continued to, to move forward, when, whether it was with uh, the film company or whether it was with SnappyCast. Uh, they celebrated not that we made money, but that we took nothing and turned it into something. So I really give it back to them and, and, and their um, appreciation and, and just instilling that in, in all of us as kids.
1: I think it would be fascinating Andrew to take a look through all the previous episodes that we've recorded and ask every host if they if they played a sport because I think that you know part of work ethic you know is instilled from your family but it's also like the the sports and having to go to practice and the discipline and getting yelled at for like messing yeah. up in trails and then having to practice on your own. I think that like sports is so helpful And one, like getting outside and, and interacting with people, but then two, you know, really helping establish the work ethic. And I think, you know, that makes so much sense. Like it, it being rewarded for diving for the ball versus making the three just is helping create that like positive mindset of like, your inputs matter more than the output. So focus more on the inputs. So as you've like, you know, embrace that mindset, you begin scaling, you realize, hey, I can build, build companies. Then the next thought process is like, okay, how do you figure out like what you value then? And then what, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, everything is like, oh, that could be a good idea. That could be a good idea. You know, talk about then how do you figure out, you know, what ideas, products, solutions, intrigue you? And then how do you kind of jump into those?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I think it, it almost goes back to what you just mentioned around sports with that discipline of, Hey, we've got to focus on these. We got to focus on, on the basics first, and then we can go beyond that and take some risks. So I kind of take that same approach and how we build product. We knew early on that there was a core specifically speaking towards E-Fuse, there was a core problem of talent connecting to opportunities. So all we did for the first three, four months of, of building the product was focus on that core feature set of, of how do we help a gamer, connect to an opportunity like a scholarship tournament etc and then from there once we got that kind of uh, core value add built out we, we said okay we can take a few shots beyond that so we started building out a tournament platform called arena which you mentioned and that was a shot that uh, we, we just kind of had an intuition and, and saw some things in the market and said you know what let's give it a let's take the chance on it and it ended up being one of the biggest drivers of our business so I just think about it as focus on the, the put first things first and then expand beyond that and you can take some shots outside of it.
0: So this may be switching gears a little bit, but you know, one of the things that's so interesting about the world that we live in today is there are so many careers and opportunities that exist now in this moment in time that literally didn't exist one, two, five, 10 years ago. And I can remember growing up, we had a neighbor down the street who had their their uh, they had a couple of kids that were very, very young. And the eldest son, I mean, this is going back probably six years or so ago. And the eldest son was getting involved in games and went to a very elite high school, dropped out of high school or finished it up and ultimately went to go pursue a professional gaming career. And his parents were completely perplexed. They came from high you know—high power careers. It was totally hard for them to imagine making a life in gaming. Um, and so what I want to better understand is, you know, you're in this very nascent industry. It's maturing a little bit, but you had this vision of what the world could be. You know, how sports, how esports specifically can lead to these career paths for people. How do you pursue a vision that is hard for other people to really even conceptualize and just pursue that with conviction, knowing that that future can exist if you pursue it long enough and with enough discipline um, when everybody else around you either doesn't see it or you may, oftentimes, have some naysayers that just are counterbalancing, you know, the more optimistic view of what can happen.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's it's twofold. One is in the early early days of eFuse, I didn't necessarily have anybody else uh, aside from my co-founder who really believed in the vision of what we were doing. So what we did though is we went and surrounded ourselves with people and mentors that had done something similar. So it may not be in the same industry. They may not have thought that esports was the next wave, but they thought. X, Y, and Z was the next wave. And they had pushed beyond that and they had grown a business through that. So it was kind of surrounding ourselves with them to get through that initial hurdle. And then once we got through that initial um, trial and tribulation of putting something together and showing that there was something here, when we started adding more people to the team and we were able to rally people around the vision for you fuse, people saw it starting to click. And I think as specific moments in the history of the last couple of years within gaming have happened, it's clicked more and more for people. It's, it's become more and more of a societal norm. Um, but two years ago, it, it wasn't necessarily that. So it's been cool to go through that process with a process with my co founder of, of growing in our vision, growing in the relationships with our mentors, but then adding other people to that vision and that community that you build within the, this, this business that now is forty people um, that are all shared around what we're trying to accomplish. It's a lot easier to push forward beyond because you have again you're you're locking arms and you have that community that's that's pushing forward regardless of what anybody else thinks.
1: Yeah, I think you know you're you're in an industry that I I mean some say are is nascent, but uh, others could say it's like highly developed. You know, in certain regards. And so I think it's you know fascinating you evaluating and looking at the gaming and the esports world because you're essentially in a whole sector, um, in a whole industry, you think of like broadcasting, you think of professional athletes, journalism, et cetera. It's like every industry that's built around traditional sports is now being built around um, the, the gaming industry. And so, you know, going back to your first principles of here's what we're set to accomplish. Let's make sure we, we build and scale on this platform and then start taking new bets. Um, that's kind of one thing that I see at DoorDash is Tony's like, every year I want to build another billion dollar business or multiple of those. So you've got to take those big bets um, and, and, you know, some of them will fail, uh, but as long as you have like, you established a core foundation, even if those uh, new ideas fail, you'll still be fine because that you have the North Star. Do you think that, you know, part of that foundation and understanding how to scale the business came from when you were at the Ohio Innovation Fund? Cause I don't think as many people like and myself included, nor Andrew, like have had the uh, opportunity to like work within an innovation fund and be around people that are reviewing term sheets all the time or scouting so many businesses. So I- I'm curious to see like how much, you know, being able to sample and look between and read through uh, different deals and companies has also allowed you to like better refine and scope, you know, the go to market at Fuse.
2: Yeah, it was a, a crucial point in, in my life. And that happened when I was a junior in college. I, I when I interned with the Ohio Innovation Fund, which for those that don't know, it's a $40 million uh, fund based here in the in Ohio and Columbus that's investing in seed and Series A stage companies. And the managing partner there is a guy by the name of Bill Baumel, who spent 20 years in the Valley, had some success out there as a VC and said, hey, I think the Midwest is that new opportunity. And Bill had just come back uh, when I had started working for him. I was the first group of interns. So there's only him, one of the partner, and then three interns that were working. So we had exposure to a ton, ton very early on. So we got to sit in on board meetings. We got to review term sheets. We got to do the initial part of the diligence when a deal would come in and and do the market analysis. And really all that did for me was give me the other side of the coin from the VC perspective. What does it look like when I'm as an entrepreneur coming to them? How are they thinking about this? How are they thinking about the growth of my business? What's important to them? And, And how do I talk to them? Um, so it gave me the confidence in many ways to eventually jump ship from that and say, I think I can do this with E-Fuse and we can build a business and we can go raise money. But it also gave me a network of entrepreneurs that I had interacted with that I respected. And I was able to pull kind of their best traits and into how I wanted to build a business. But beyond that, also build a network of VCs that when the time came to, for us to go raise money, I already had those relationships rebuilt. So I think that it was, when I really look back on it, it was a catalyst for this leap of faith into uh, esports and gaming and into eFuse simply because I, I was fortunate to have the experience and the mentors around me that, that gave me the insight into what VC looked like and what building a business like this would would look like.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that is a phenomenal perspective to have, you know, especially so early in your career where you can view, you know, one one scenario from multiple different perspectives, like simultaneously, because it, do, it really truly does give you a leg up when you can see things from other people's perspectives. Um. You know, and I, I want to pause and shift gears again a little bit, because what is so fascinating is, you know, from an external observer standpoint, you might look at your trajectory and say, man, this was so just thoughtfully planned out, methodical, step-by-step. Step. It just worked out every step of the way. And in all of our conversations with everybody, um, it's never quite that simple. You know, looking in the rear view mirror, yeah, the dots align perfectly, but there are a lot of these trials and tribulations at all of these key junctures. Um, You know, just really quickly, you know, from the, the entrepreneur residence experience you had and being an investment analyst at the Ohio innovation fund to now, you know, what has your thought process been around evaluating opportunities to see if they do or do not align with like your North star, your, your triad of definition of success. Like what's your thought process when evaluating opportunities to say this does or does not align.
2: Yeah. I think you can do that in the, 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 frame of the business, but you can also do it with the relationships and the partnerships that we strike outside of necessarily what's happening internally. And I think the way we think about it is, is, with two things in mind. One is, uh, is this person trying to add value first and impact the community? We, we often say DFE's impacts the North star. So everything that we build, it should have some level of impact to the baseline consumer. So whether that be providing a scholarship through the platform, whether that be saving them time through one of the functionalities we built, all of it's focused around how do we impact the baseline community? So we wanna align ourselves with partners that think the same way. But the second thing, is are they good people at the end of the day people are what build businesses and cultures are what build businesses and um, I'm really proud of the team we've built at Ephe and the partners we've we've the partnerships we've created and Jeremy's a great example and now you Andrew is a people that I really respect and that we've built a relationship with but it's just bringing good people together that have the same mission and vision in mind of how do we impact the world and the community and if they have those two things uh, that's really what are the two main factors for us wanting to to work with them
1: How do you balance, though, the, you know, the thoughts of self-improvement? Because you always, no matter what stage you are, there's always more to learn. There's always people that are experts in the industry. So one is, like, self-improvement and, like, knowledge gathering. And then the second piece is, like, also execution. Because, you know, you you can think and strategize and connect and talk with people all day and generate these great ideas, but then if you don't execute them, then it's, like, it's, it's wonderful. Like you can have these great conversations, but then execution is like really what matters. So then how do you find that like right balance of, because you have to do both. You have to yeah. network, you have to learn, you have to teach yourself, you have to work on personal development, but then you also have to spend time like working and scaling um, and executing. H- how do you work the balance between the two?
2: Yeah, one. I actually was just having this conversation yesterday. There was a chief revenue officer who had sold a company here uh, in Columbus called Cover My Meds. It was a billion dollar company, multi billion dollar company, and and uh, they had. They're one of the kind of prized possessions of Columbus when it comes to the entrepreneurship. And I was talking to him yesterday, and I was I was talking about our journey so far, and in the phases of E Fuse, I think that we we did a really good job of going zero to one in that year and a half time frame of taking nothing into something. And now we're in that phase of how do we take something into it and scaling it. And what I was saying to him is I felt like I just got good at being the CEO that went zero to one. Like I was, I was great at running a team of six. I was great at running a product uh, with, with six people around it, but now it's okay. We have 40 and now I'm trying to learn and grow as that CEO. What does that CEO look like? And then I think there'll be a point in time where we're at 10 and we need to get 100. That's a different type of CEO. So just understanding the different progressions of of who I need to be and who the people around me need to be as we scale the business, I think is really important. Um, But the second thing that that I would really think about and, and look at is how do we how do we find mentors that can also be a part of that too? Um, and, and talking through that, those different levels of progression. So those are the two. It's really, it goes back down to people and that that self progression and surrounding yourself with them and understanding the different scales and levels of the business. But um, it's also setting aside, uh, one other thing I'll add on there just quickly is setting aside time for that, that investment into yourself. And that's one thing I've struggled with recently is encompassing my my whole all of my time is encompassed the EFUs. It's my baby, it's my wife. It's everything that would take up time outside of this and um, finding time to make sure your health's in the right place. Make sure you're you're reading outside of E fuse, make sure you're doing X, Y, and Z and spending time with family is something that I'm still learning to, to put processes in place for.
0: I think that uh, you know that's a lifelong you know, struggle to balance all of these things out. And especially when the pieces of the pie are really important pieces, you know, you want right. to dedicate a lot of time to them, you know, but going back to going from, you know, being the CEO zero to one, and now one to N, you know, there are different skill sets, but, you know, also along the way, there are a lot of core values and principles that usually are timeless and kind of transcend all of these different phases. You know, what are some of the, the key principles and values that you have, kind of develop for yourself, you know, over over life that you know may align with your North Star and may or may not align professionally, but just what are some of your core principles and core values?
2: Yeah, I appreciate that question. I think that it's when I think about it, one of the the things I've adopted over the last two years has been showing up every day and trying to stack another win. And there's a Steve jobs quote that I really appreciate that's you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can always connect them. or you, you can connect them looking backwards and you have to trust in something. And I've really adopted that mindset of, I just trust that if we do things the right way and we bust our butt and we try to keep impact as the North star and we trust in something be bigger than ourselves and we just keep stepping, it'll come to fruition. And that's been the case so far. And I hope it continues to be the case, but every day we're all we're focused on is how do we stack one more win in that column? Um, and that's, that's a phrase we use internally all the time is what, how do we win today? day? How do we win today? And then we, we focus on tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, so that, that's one core value. Um, I think also that we mentioned it earlier, but the impact is the North star when you've got something that's bigger than yourself and you're trying to do something beyond the benefit of you. Uh, it's a lot easier to show up, or at least for me, it's a lot easier to show up and, and bust your butt when you know you're doing it for somebody else. And it's, it's, um, something that just continues to drive you. And I think it's something that that I've really come to appreciate over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. I love that, that mindset of stack the wins. I don't know if you can see on my whiteboard, but I, I have at the top of all the yep. different, all the different stuff. It's 1% better every day. I mean, I steal that from DoorDash. I mean, I think, you know, the, the core values and principles, uh, you know, so many different companies have them, but I truly believe in, I coach high school baseball and that's, you know, one of the first things I said to the kids at the start of the season is, look, there's a long season ahead of us, but if we get 1% better every day, that will compound. So when we get to districts and we're, when the games matter and you win or you move on or you lose, you go home, like it starts with building that. And then the second is focus on what moves the business. Um, and I think that's like, there's, again, there's so much noise out there and, you know, you could get lost, you know, searching online, you know, social media can just be a time suck. You're like, wow, I just lost like 20 minutes or you could be messaging a coworker. And it's like, you know, is is what I'm doing moving the business forward? And I think it's like so crucial to kind of have that own gut check for yourself. So as you think about, you know. Yeah, go ahead.
2: So just adding in the self-awareness piece of it too. Like how, how do you operate within the business? Some people are really good at at managing their time. I'm not that person. <laughs> I, I need somebody around me that can help me manage time. And, and okay, this is the hour block that I'm gonna spend on product. This is the hour block I'm gonna spend on the inner team stuff. This is the hour I'm gonna spend on partnerships. So just understanding what your skills and, and weaknesses are and then surrounding yourself with people that can complement that as you get to stack those wins and have that, that North Star impact.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't be the generalist. I mean, yeah, you can have you know a, an overall awareness of everything, but like you, if you if you try to be the best at everything, you won't be great at anything, because um, because ultimately, like you do have your strong skill set. So you know, looking forward, and you know, obviously, you just raised you know your your Series A, and I'm sure B will be here in the near future. Um, you know, w- what does that future look like, and how are you working with your team to help you know build the vision and next step for fuse?
2: Yeah, you, you mentioned focus earlier, and I think that that's reigning really true right now for us. Is there's, in gaming more broadly, there's so much opportunity. There's so many issues and places where you can step in and, and add value, but staying true to who we are. And at the end of the day, what we're trying to accomplish is we want to be the single place where gamers come to find opportunities and come to connect with other gamers. And staying true to those principles and building products for those principles uh, are, are really what we're putting our focus to. What moves the needle for our business? You just mentioned that for us, it's user growth, it's user retention, and it's revenue. Those are the three things. If we can't impact those three things within the business every single day, or in, in something that we're doing, then we're missing the mark. So right now, we're orienting the team as we grow, making sure that everybody's aligned around those three principles. Or those are the things that move the business's needle, and understanding how we can impact those uh, through the product. So uh, right now, again, we're going from that one to ten phase. So. There's a lot of, of updating of our processes, updating the way in which we communicate externally, kind of taking that next step as a business. And then, yeah, before you know it, uh, the, the Series B will be here and we're on to that next phase. But uh, it's something we're really excited about. And we, we think that EFUSE has a tremendous opportunity to um, really be the place in the gaming ecosystem for people to, to meet, compete, and be discovered.
0: Yeah. I mean, just in this conversation, we're pretty, I'm pretty optimistic. We're pretty optimistic. So, you know, call, call us in for the series B, but the um, you know, it's been a pleasure, you know, having this conversation and one of the things that we always ask our guests are um, you know, what companies and industries are you, are you really intrigued with really focused on, you know, obviously e-sports is uh is probably very near and dear to your heart. Um, but just broadly speaking, what are some industries and companies that you're looking at, respect, appreciate, um, keeping an eye on?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, you might've had a couple people say this in the last couple episodes, just because of, of the, n- the nature of, of how hot it is right now, but NFTs, uh, and blockchain are extremely excited about. It. And I think pairing that with the creator economy is something that I'm really fascinated with. Uh, when I look at esports and, and bring it back to that. Esports teams, esports creators struggle to monetize outside of streams and outside of, of sponsorships. So how can you give them another pathway to do that? I think that NFTs are a really great example of that. Um, I think the idea that, that Gary Vee has around providing utility uh, with those NFTs is really fascinating. But I also think Topshop from a product, uh, and, and I guess it would be Dapper Labs, from a product perspective, the way that they unveiled that was, was really premium. So I look up to them in that regard. I think more broadly when I look at at, at product and consumer companies. That's where I spend a lot of my time, obviously. I really respect Spotify. I really respect Tinder. I mean, those are two of the best product companies in my opinion. Um, so just a couple of things that, that I'm following would be the NFTs and the, and the blockchain stuff.
1: That's awesome. awesome. Well, Matt, definitely appreciate having you on the show. Um, look forward to seeing the continued growth of yourself as well as EFuse, and we'll definitely stay in touch.
0: Appreciate y'all having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Summit Podcast. If you found any value in this episode, all that we ask is that you rate and review our show and share it with one person. That could be a friend, it could be a coworker, it could be a family member, doesn't matter, just one person. If you have any questions or feedback or wanna give ideas for guests, please visit our website and drop us a line there. Our website is thesummitpodcasts.com. That's thesummitpodcasts.com. And you can also find us on social media under the handle, the summit podcasts.